Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 137 of Impact Boom. My name is Gary Fordry. I'm a contributing editor here at Impact Boom, and I'm passionate about meeting and working with people who share our mutual drive for creating positive social impact. Today, we'll be speaking with Meg Doherty. Meg is the founder and director of Fat Macy's, a roving restaurant aiming to end the cycle of homelessness for young Londoners. She was named in NatWest's Wise 100 list of leading social enterprise women in the UK in both 2017 and 2018. And she was a 2015 to 16 Year Here Fellow. She was placed at the North London YMCA where she first developed Fat Macy's. To get things started, could you please share with us a bit about your background and what led you down the path of social enterprise? Yeah, so my background is absolutely not connected to what I'm doing right now. I did a degree in French and English literature. I got quite interested in development as well, having lived abroad as, as a kid. And then I think I hit that moment of realisation, where am I best placed to add value or make an impact? And the classic, you know, should it be lots of white people that fly off to Africa and sort of get involved? Or really, should I be in London where I know how systems work and I understand the city and, and we have as many problems here as I think anyone else does? Just because we're a richer nation doesn't mean we don't have these big problems. So thinking, how am I best placed to have an impact? and what am I good at? And I got really interested in the idea of social enterprise. And it led me to doing the year here course. So it's um, a one year postgraduate course in social innovation. Um, and their whole model is really interesting, which is that you have to live your social problem. So you could sit and read about an issue, you know, for months, but actually, unless you meet those people, and you hear those stories, you'll find it really difficult to know what actually is happening, or what is the lived experience of that issue. So for me, I ended up working in a homeless shelter for five months. So I went and worked in the North London YMCA, which is an 150-bed homeless hostel in Crouch End. And I went in completely blind, like I had no understanding of homelessness. But I was there for five months and, you know, homeless shelters are quite chaotic places, there's loads going on. And it just gave me so many insights into what was actually happening. Brilliant. Could you tell us some more about the structure of the Year Here course? Yeah, definitely. As I said, you do this five-month placement frontline. So some people are in elderly care homes, people are in schools that have sort of high levels of educational disadvantage, all sorts of projects. So you do that for five months and the whole idea is to sort of look for solutions and, and find small ways that you could improve the setting, whether it be for residents or staff or whatever it is. But it's really a time to get insights and to understand a problem. You then do a consulting phase, which is sort of the other end where you're sort of dealing with policymakers or decision makers and then the final stage is sort of a, an incubator so you you build up all of the insights that you've had over a year or six months and and then try to see if there's a solution that you could 
create or a venture that you could launch. And it's led to sort of Fat Macy's, it's led to Cracked It, it's led to Birdsong. There are so many amazing social enterprises in London that um, have all been born from this sort of small pool of people. Was it a daunting decision to choose the social enterprise path and start the course? For me, I think it feels like a bit of a jump into the unknown when you sort of make that decision to go and do it. But I think what, what makes it really impressive is it gives you nine months to just take yourself out of the normal mindset of, oh, life and work and we're all really busy and running around and just think, actually, what solutions could we create or what are the positives that could come out of certain situations? So for me, it was definitely a bit of a bit of a jump and you sort of think, oh, God, it's such a hard thing to explain. No one knows what I'm doing. And definitely down the pub, it's just such a nightmare to try and get it into a few words. But for me, what made it really special is the network that it provides you with. And so as a result of your time on the Year Here course and your placement at the YMCA hostel, you launched Fat Macy's. So, you know, had you asked me four years ago what I'd be doing now, it absolutely wouldn't have been running Fat Macy's. But I think the insights that I gained from from being there and, and meeting people and speaking to people very much has, has led me to, to set up Fat Macy's. So we are a catering company. Essentially, we're a social enterprise catering company. And so what we do is we run like any other catering company. We, we deliver lunches and dinners and we do supper club events. But I think what makes us different is that instead of going and finding sous chefs and, and kitchen porters, we go into hostels and we train people up with basic hospitality and catering skills. And we use that as our vehicle to, to get people uh, work experience and people back in the workplace and um, back on a sort of pathway out of homelessness. But what I really learned from doing that placement at the YMCA was that the main problem for people is housing deposits. So if you're living in a homeless shelter, the rents are extortionate. They're sort of over a thousand pounds a month. That is because it pays for the whole service. So a homeless shelter is a bit different. You know, you've got staff, you've got overheads that you wouldn't have in a house. So the costs are really, really high. But what that means for the individual is they have to stay on benefits in order to afford it. So you have people up and down the country being forced to stay on benefits because it's the only way that they can afford their accommodation when they don't want to be. And so I got really interested in looking at ways that you could create pathways out of homelessness by creating a route that doesn't affect benefits or doesn't sort of affect people's rights. So as a catering company, we donate a percentage of our profits to a charity arm, and that charity arm gifts housing deposits out to trainees who complete a 200-hour work experience placement with us. Fantastic. And can I ask where the name Fat Macy's came from? So I really struggled coming up with a name and I, I knew it had to be cool and I knew it had to be something that wasn't too charity-y. You know, it didn't, I didn't want it to sound like a charity project. And so we had a couple of sort of co-design sessions with the first group that we were piloting the model with. And I thought it was really important for me to have their input on the branding, the logo, the name, all those sorts of things, because if they're going to be represented by this brand, it's really important that they can identify with it. The name, one of our trainees just in one of the meetings about sort of coming up with a name and we were playing with ideas, he just said, what about Fat Macy's? And we all sat there thinking, I don't know what that means. And you know when you feel a little bit like, I can't ask because it's like quite cool, but I don't understand it. Um, we generally work in YMCA hostels um, and Macy is an anagram of YMCA. So for him, he sort of said, you know, it, it's a nod towards the fact that we're living in a YMCA without it being YMCA branded. And they have this joke that if you live in YMCA accommodation, you can get really fat because 
you're catered and and it's you know it's just difficult isn't it when you're not in control of what you're eating so it's a bit of a joke but it also sounds like a person you know you, you can imagine mm. a chef called fat macy somewhere looking over us all so yeah that's where it came from and then it stuck and then we did a few events and and that was it brilliant it was born. thank you so you did this amazing sounding course year here and then you've later gone on to use what you learned in that experience to create Fat Macy's. I wondered if you could expand on that process in between and how you actually went about creating the organization from scratch. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's one of those things that when you look back, it's sort of quite a surprise, you know, it's quite surprising how quickly you can grow these social enterprises now, um, given that everyone's really into the idea and the climate seems to be the right time. So that definitely helped. But how it happened, was I was on the Year Hit programme and I started piloting a few of the dinners. So we did one dinner which was entirely friends and family. I had the number of the pizza place around the corner just in case, you know, we burnt <laughs> down the kitchen and it was all going to be horrendous. And we just trialled whether it worked. It's just a, like, could you do an event that in theory made money if you had these people here and could you save money for the deposit at the same time as covering all your costs and all the rest? And that was really great. And we did it at the Canvas Cafe in London, it's in Brick Lane. And the lady who then ran the cafe just got in touch a few weeks later and said, that was really great. Would you consider taking on a month um, and do sort of 10 events rather than, rather than one? And because I was on the course at the, at the time, the Year Here course, I think your whole mindset, try things and experiment and see what happens. And so we just thought, why not? And I think if someone had said that to me now, you'd think, God, no, like I couldn't possibly do it. So much work. But we just thought, why not? And we did sort of eight events, I think. And then it sort of just spiraled from there. For me, the first year was almost entirely delivery. It was try as many different types of events as we could, see what worked, see what didn't. A lot of applying for funding. And there are some incredible support networks out there for funding and people who are really willing to just help you along your way. And that was the first year. And then I think by the end of that year, we just thought, God, we've got to actually think about the sustainability of this model. Like we've tested many different things, but we don't have a plan or a vision. We're just doing all these events. So the second year was a lot of thinking and stopping and, and getting advice from people, um, legal, financial, and, and really trying to figure out from all the lessons that we learned, what is the future of Fat Macy's if it's going to be a viable business? And that was great because I think it was much needed and I'm a complete doer rather than a thinker. So I'll just do something, see if it works. And if it works, then I'll think about how to make it happen. And so I really needed those two sort of separate mm. points. And then we're now in our third year. And I think this has been just really exciting because it's it's starting to feel a bit more real. We've got an amazing team of chefs now who work on the project and design all the menus and, and really provide that food expertise, which was absolutely lacking before. I do not have a food background, so it was quite an interesting one. And, and and sort of planning for the future and where it could get to. And it now all feels quite achievable. But yeah, it was it's quite a slow process, I think, at times. Quite a lonely journey. But there was so much support out there, which I think without all these different people who jumped in and gave us advice, we wouldn't, wouldn't have got here. Fantastic. Could you touch on what the social enterprise looks like today? Yeah, definitely. So we, as I said, we have a business and a charity. So the business operates as a normal uh, catering business. So we have a team of chefs who run it and the trainees come in as the work experience and placements. We run catering contracts, so we provide lunch and dinner, breakfasts for big offices or events or organizations. And then we do supper clubs, which are sort of a more personal affair, and those are the ones that we run ourselves. So we hire a venue, 
normally a cafe, sort of after hours. And our trainees will design the menu with our chefs and we'll run a three-course supper club, which is essentially a dinner. It's a fancy name for a dinner, but everyone eats the same thing. And there's sort of a set menu and everyone eats at the same time. And our trainees share a bit about themselves and their journey with Fat Macy's or where they're trying to get to. And those are really lovely because they're just, they feel quite personal. And it's sort of maximum 30 people. We're actually doing the next ones in February for sort of Valentine's and Galentine's and whatever the next day is, I can never remember, which are at the Good and Property um, Cafe on Leather Lane, which is a lovely venue. So that's sort of that side of the business. And then we have a charity. So the charity is what does the training. So the charity goes into hostels, provides basic catering hospitality training with uh, new residents. And the idea is that sort of acts as our recruitment pool. So when we find trainees that are really into it and they really like the idea and they're really keen to sort of come along they then come and do the 200 hours of work experience at the business. Um, and the two entities sort of work together mm. to sort of run the social enterprise. Fantastic. And what is the piece of social impact that you're most proud of with Fat Macy's? Yeah, so for us, it's been a bit of a slow journey. We work very intensely with the people that we work with. We're not working with hundreds of people, but we work with maybe 10 at a time, but we work with them really closely. One man in particular, Emmanuel, is someone I started working with back in 2000 and early 2017. And he was someone that just like wasn't really interested in cooking, but knew he needed to get out of the hostel. And he's just really charming and really lovely. And we brought him along to a few events. And he just sort of, he's much more into the front of house side of things. So charming all the guests, doing that side of, of the business. But he's just been great and, and in the sort of, year and a half that we worked with him he went from someone who sort of knew very little about hospitality to just running the show so he sort of runs the supper clubs now and in September he reached his 200 hour milestone with us so he'd worked for he'd volunteered with us over 200 hours of events and then became eligible for a housing deposit so he then in October moved into a one bed flat in Enfield and I think for us it was just such an exciting moment because it's everything becomes real everything that you sort of planned and and hoped for suddenly happens and you suddenly see a man with a pair of keys for his own flat having lived I think he'd been homeless for about six years he'd been in and out of night shelters in and out of temporary accommodation units and you just think wow like it's actually it's it's doable we managed to 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 get there and I think a really proud moment for all of us to sort of see that happen incredible thank you for sharing that so what are your plans for the future of Fat Macy's? So back in the end of 2017, we decided that we needed to scale and we needed a permanent venue and a permanent kitchen more than anything in order to really achieve the impact that we wanted to. As you can imagine, running catering events with no kitchen is problematic at the best of times. <laughs> and so we decided to crowdfund for about £50,000, which was really hard work, but you know, such a success that we, we managed to put it together. It's then taken us a full year to sort of find a premises, locate it. I think we've gone through about four or five different venues. And we are, I'm hoping next week, we'll find out if we get the planning permission for a space in Peckham. What makes this space really exciting is it both has space for a kitchen and a restaurant space, but it also has a four bed flat above. And so what we're looking at doing is seeing if there are ways that we can challenge the current structure of temporary accommodation and homeless hostels and instead of it being this space where people go and you know I think the average stay is two years some people stay in hostels for six seven years instead of it being that 
could it be that we have we provide them people with a flat we provide them with full-time work opportunities below and you could get a housing deposit and be back on your feet in six months say and that's something really exciting that i think will be sort of us scaling in every direction at the same time which is terrifying but it's that option for us to really explore housing solutions while really scaling the food side of the business because we'll have a full-time kitchen we'll also have our own restaurant space that we can use and an event space that other sort of social enterprises can come and use so we're really hoping it not only becomes our base as sort of a social enterprise caterer but a base for so many other really inspiring projects in London to use and, and grow in as well. It's very exciting and if everything goes to plan when do you hope to get the premises up and running? Yeah we're hoping late spring early summer but that might be very optimistic seeing as it's currently a laundrette so um, who okay. knows but yeah this year if it happens this year I'll be happy. Fantastic. For our listeners who might be considering launching their own social venture, what would be your top piece of advice? Top piece of advice. All tricky. I think the best thing I learned is the sort of fake it till you make it mindset in the early days. I think a mixture of that and knowing that no one really knows what's going (laughs) on is a really good starting point. Because I think if I'd said to me four years ago, you're going to be running a social enterprise catering company working with homeless people when I knew nothing about catering and nothing about homelessness I would have thought "Mm, yeah unlikely (laughs) but I think what's so interesting is that you can have an idea and you can design a logo and make a twitter account and then suddenly you're semi-official like that's now how the world seemingly works with some of these things and I think I'm by no means an expert when it comes to anything that we do but you can very quickly add yourself into, into a space and, and contribute. For me, it's thinking of it in small blocks. So if I, when I started, thought of about where we are now, you would just think, there's no way, I can't do that. Whereas if you think, all I want to do is have a dinner with loads of my friends and family and cook it with the help of some people that I've met who live in this homeless shelter, that's really achievable. And you can just sort of slowly build up that way. And I think the sort of fake it to make it idea is, but you sort of just start a thing and eventually enough people will get involved instead of thinking, I need to start a business. Like, what do I need to do? That for me would have been terrifying. Whereas if you sort of think of it in its smallest sort of the minimal viable product idea, think of what is the smallest thing you can do to test an idea and just go for it. I mean, if it all goes wrong, it all goes wrong. (laughs) No one's going to, you know, you're not a failed business. You just had an unsuccessful dinner party. You know, it's like, (laughs) think of it like that. Great. Thank you. Are there any misconceptions about the social enterprise or wider social impact sector that you would like to see change? I think um, this has been an interesting one for us because we have a dual model. This is going to get very technical very quickly, (laughs) so I apologise. And I want Fat Macy's to be a competitive catering business that is a business because I want us to be able to compete with all the other caterers in London and become the choice that is as good in terms of value and quality of food as anyone else. But it just so happens that we have a social purpose. And we also have a charity, and that does the charitable work, and the the business donates a percentage of profits over to the charity. But I want the business to be a business and the charity to be the charity. And that, for a lot of people, is really problematic. And I think it's something that's changing, but... Governance and legal structures of social enterprises is something that is a real talking point. And as soon as you add that you're a social business, people feel that 
it's sort of up for debate how you run and, and why, because you're sort of saying that you've got this social value. And I'm not for a minute saying that there shouldn't be regulation and anything like that, but I do think it's a, it's a really interesting area that increasingly businesses are, are, are becoming more social. And yet there still doesn't quite seem to be the framework that allows you to be a competitive for-profit business and still have social impact without you sort of getting involved in all these crazy legal structures about profit locks and <laughs> all this stuff, which takes ages. Not that it necessarily needs to change, but I think it will with time. People become more open to different models of governance and legal structure for businesses that are social in their essence. Brilliant. Thank you. So I'm sure over the last few years of running Fat Macy's, you've probably had a lot of exposure to other social impact work that's going on here in London. Are there any projects or initiatives that you'd like to share that you think are creating really exciting social impact? Definitely. I think um, it's a really inspiring time to be part of this whole network. And it's still a really tiny network in London. If you go to any social impact events, you'll notice all the same people. So there's definitely room for it to grow, which is really exciting. Some of my favourites, a lot of them are Year Here Ventures because they're good friends of mine as well. So my friend Josh Babarinde runs Cracked It, which is an iPhone repair service staffed by people who are at risk of offending or sort of joining gangs. They are making waves in sort of every direction you can imagine. Uh, there's a great organization called Settle, um, and we partner with them quite a lot. They provide move-on support for young people who are making a transition in housing, um, and that's a really big point as well. It's a real big sticking point for people, and it's often where people sort of lose their way when you first move into a house of your own, and they provide this six-week course of really intensive support for people where they go around to their house and show them how to, use their, how to pay their bills and things like that. But when it's completely tangible, you know, it's real for that person. It's not a sort of hypothetical situation. So they're great. There's a group called Birdsong as well, which is a feminist fashion brand. So they work with um, women's group and women makers and upskill them to design really beautiful clothes that they then sell um, to support these women's groups to be self-sustaining. There's so many. Um, there's loads in food as well. So I think what's really exciting now is that it feels like you can buy social almost anywhere so you know you could get your phone repaired and it has social impact as well as being as good a phone repair as it would be if you went to a little shop or your clothes or your food or whatever you know there's there's a real push now to 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 buying social wherever you can fantastic and to finish up are there any books or other resources related to anything we've chatted about today that you think our listeners should check out oh very good question Actually, some of the NASTA resources are, are pretty good. So there's a lot about sort of starting businesses and there's a DIY toolkit. Do you know what it's called? Uh, it's called <laughs> Development, Impact and You. I yeah, believe. yeah, that one. That one's great. And there's just, I think it sounds stupid to say Google it, but there are just so many amazing resources online to really help you develop your ideas and think about things. And then I think, again, very London-centric, but there's a lot of organisations based in London, but they do work nationally, like Unlimited, the School for Social Entrepreneurs, the Paul Hamlin Fund. There's so many places that can really support you when you're at that very, very early stage of, I just have this idea and I have no idea if it's going to work, but I want to explore it. Fantastic. Thank you so much. No, not a problem. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. 
Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter. Thank you.